0: Here's to
1: the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain jean Picard of the Enterprise. Captain jean Picard of the Enterprise. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. <laughs> I'm Ben
0: Harrison. Uh Ben it's one
1: of the earliest mornings we recorded. That's why I, I
0: opened that way. That's true, Adam. Uh it's it's uh it's not even eight o'clock your time, is it?
1: When your podcast fluid is coffee. <laughs> <laughs> really sets the tone.
0: Yeah. I think that it is possible to find coffee in can form, but uh we didn't do that today, did we? That would have been nice. No, we
1: didn't. Oh God. Have you ever had that coffee can? Like the
0: nitro coffee? Uh, I've seen that shit for sale a lot of places, and it, it's, I, like, I am a total sucker for a gimmicky coffee thing, but yeah. that might be one gimmick too far.
1: Well, if you ever want to spend $5 on a can of cold brew coffee, that's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, like... It is like railing coffee grounds. It is. I've never been so gacked out as I have been after an entire can of cold brew coffee. Yeah. Good lord.
0: Yeah. It's like a it, like the squatty potty like n- needs to come out, <laughs> right? I
1: yeah, like I wear I wear the squatty potty on a chain around my neck like flavor Flave whenever I'm drinking one of those cans.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Ben, I actually have something I want to talk to you about. What's that, Adam? And I'm really hoping that that you saw the movie I want to bring up. Uh, I saw Rouge One. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, shit. Well, maybe we should kick the can into a different episode on this. But maybe I'll just tease my thoughts for a more substantial conversation we can have later. Mm -hmm. And that is... It's not a competition between Star Wars and Star Trek, even though even yeah. though our viewers and fans of both franchises very much believe it to be that way. Yeah. But goddammit, Ben, like they are kicking our asses in yeah. terms of of cinema right now. And I've got a real problem with it. <laughs> like <laughs> It's not because I don't like Star Wars. It's because you see how they're doing the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. and you see how, quote-unquote, we are doing the Star Trek universe, and what they're doing isn't a miracle. Like, no, I think it's just what competency. They're doing, what they're doing is supporting a, a theory that I have held for a long time, in, and that is Star Trek is a place... And not a philosophy. I mean, it's also philosophy to a certain degree, but yeah. you can tell all sorts of stories in the Star Trek world. Yeah. And for the last six films, we've told one type of story in a Star Trek film, and it is really frustrating.
0: It's getting old. Let's uh, let's get in that writer's room, Adam. I know. Maybe That's that, what I'm saying. Maybe that should be our New Year's resolution. Becoming... <laughs> consultants on the new TV show, <laughs> Star Trek Discovery.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's all. I just want to be a consulting producer. Yeah. That isn't even a real title.
0: You got to aim high.
1: Consulting producer? That doesn't mean anything.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when you see Rouge One, let's have a more developed conversation about it, because I'd really like to get into it.
0: Okay, I'll see, if I can, uh, I'll see if I can get in a viewing before our next recording sesh.
1: One thing we did watch recently, Ben, was season four, episode 25, in theory. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're
0: entitled. Hmm. Not entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So the entrepreneur is going to explore a dark matter nebula. And in preparation for this, Data is hanging out with his pal Jenna down in the torpedo bay, Uh, and they're modifying torpedoes, uh, to be dark matter probes um, which I I can only imagine is a huge disappointment to Worf which would rather just send a full spread of armed torpedoes in set to maximum yield
1: when you use a torpedo for dark matter I feel like you're double bagging those before <laughs> shooting them right <laughs>
0: yeah I mean uh, pe- people say that enemas can, can throw your pH off but <laughs> I would say that they are required before uh, before you're going to put a <laughs> torpedo in there. Oh, God. Uh, in
1: this scene, what you get is what you get so rarely, other than the sample size of Jordy and Data. You get Data's professional relationship with someone else. Mm-hmm. And... In this sense, you get you get a lot of fraternizing between Jenna and Data, and we know her name is Jenna because that's what Data calls her. Like, yeah. they totally drop rank and title, and they're just sort of like gossiping with each other. Yeah, at work.
0: she's had she's like just coming off of a breakup and had like an awkward interaction with the guy that she's trying to not be dating anymore. He asked me out to dinner. What was your response?
1: I told him I'd think about
0: it. He gives her a little, like, data-like pep talk, which is the most rote possible, like, explanation of why she shouldn't be dating that dude. As you requested, I will now remind you of the reasons you decided to end your relationship with Jeff. Yeah, I mean, he
1: he doesn't grant any sort of wisdom. It's it's wisdom in the sense, like, well, if he's hitting you, you should leave. Like, it's that, <laughs> it's that simplistic.
0: Yeah. Um... But uh, this girl's a real cutie, and um, and you She's can. She's
1: Canadian cute, isn't she? She's like that's kinda... the vibe I got from her.
0: Yeah, log cabin cute. <laughs>
1: yeah, like to pour Jenna all over my waffles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, um, they uh, they shoot one of these torpedoes at uh, at the nebula. Lights up real pretty. And uh, it sets a nice mood, and you can tell that she's, uh, she's enjoying her time uh, looking at this display with Data more than just the way that friends would at him.
1: Yeah, she sidles up beside him, looks out at the nebular fireworks, mm-hmm. but is, is more consumed with the fireworks in Data's eyes.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the twinkle in his eyes that will never be a child. Uh, Is
1: Data unprofessional in this scene?
0: I think that um, this is a great episode about Data in that it explores, like, the idea that Data has kind of figured out how to act now that we're four seasons into this show. Like, generally speaking, Data knows how to act around everybody, but Data is only in very specific kinds of situations, and this is an episode that explores what if you toss out Data's comfort zone and put him in a situation where he has no idea how to act
1: it's sort of the sequel to Data's Day isn't it
0: yeah I think that's a fair assessment um we come back from our opening title sequence and Data and Jenna are in a a wind section uh playing some playing some tunes Keiko's in there and uh they, uh, they finish their little recital, and Jenna's like not feeling great about her performance, and Data's very... Uh, he, he says the right thing, you know? He's like... I'm quite certain the audience was oblivious to such nuances. They seem to enjoy the performance thoroughly. And uh, this kind of... It kind of evolved into a double date between Data and Jenna and Miles and Keiko, which is... <laughs> I don't know if you've uh, done a lot of double dating, Adam, but I feel like I have been on this date in like most of the four different roles. <laughs> like uh like I've 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 been the like I've been the dude who's meeting like his wife's girlfriend's new boy boyfriend and been like, I fucking can't hang with this guy. Like uh I've been the couple that's kind of sniping at each other the way Miles and Keiko are. <laughs> Where you're like, I've got some like grievances, but we have to like be in public with these people, so we'll not, we're not going to let this boil over into a fight, but uh, but we are talking about the fact that I leave my socks on the floor or whatever. Have you had this experience, Adam?
1: I feel like this was us when we were at Korean barbecue in L.A. <laughs> uh, like a month ago. I think we went through the stages of dating, <laughs> like uh, like all four of us, in that one three-hour meal.
0: Yeah, well... I hope I wasn't the data in that in, on that date,
1: <laughs> no, not at all and and the way you describe it sums it up perfectly like this is such a contemporary moment, yeah like like there's there's a natural kind of competition that is hard to avoid when when you're doubled up like this yeah. like there's the established relationship which is not a great model. For for quality at all when it's when it's Keiko and miles <laughs> O'Brien, like like there shouldn't even be a competition at all, yeah, but Jenna just sort of sees it they she sees their their foundation as something to rise to right and so when when Keiko starts talking cute about miles and all the cute shit that he does, <laughs> she feels emboldened to talk about data in the same way like. There's sort of a, there's a competitive aspect to it.
0: Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, a competition, and, and it also kind of stokes the flames uh, for Jenna. Like, she gets, like, touchy with Data real quick, you know. Like, they're, they are fully on a date, you know. Yeah. Which was not the, like, declared premise of them being in 10 Forward this evening.
1: You know what we don't get? Is the after you go on the double date? Yeah, you get back home and you dish to your wife like, "Oh my God, what was that about? <laughs> yeah. Like, could you believe that they did that?" And that's God. I would have loved Keiko and O'Brien so much more if they gave us like the thirty seconds post date where they were like, <laughs> "Was that a date with Jenna and Data? <laughs> yeah, what the hell was that about? Like,
0: oh, to be a fly on the wall. That would have when... made
1: me love that couple so much more.
0: Yeah." Oh, to be a fly on the wall when uh, when you and your wife debriefed each other about our, uh, our L.A. Uh, Korean barbecue <laughs> date, Adam. <laughs> it was all
1: positive, I swear.
0: <laughs> the most insincere thing I've ever heard. So this leads into, uh, they're going to keep doing research on this nebula and... Uh, so because they're they they're continuing the research, and they're like gonna go hunt for class M planets in the nebula. Um, Data and Jenna are gonna be spending a lot of time in uh, in the torpedo tube together, and uh, and so the next the next scene they have is um, is just them like dicking around with torpedoes, and uh, it ends with her like having to go do something, and she uh she leaves him with a big fat smooch.
1: You can see his eyes sort of spin around like a slot machine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. And
1: uh this sort of sends him on a mission.
0: Yeah, it? it sure does. And and he he definitely like makes some errors in judgment about uh stops that he makes on this mission, but his first his first stop is the right first stop. It is 10 forward where he kicks it to Guinan about what just happened. And uh, I think he says, I just uh, shared a very passionate kiss in the torpedo bay. Adam, uh, a very passionate kiss in the torpedo bay was actually the first porno that I ever watched.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is a, is a kiss in the torpedo bay uh, a euphemism for a blowjob?
0: That's what I was uh, sort of sort of getting at, <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay, because uh, I think one of our show's late motifs is uh, explaining the joke, making it funnier.
0: Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> the more we explain it, the funnier it gets. Do
1: you think Data's tongue feels like a cow's tongue? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, or like a cat's tongue? It's got those little, like, prickly things on it?
1: If you're Nudian soon and you're <laughs> and you're creating a sex robot, uh-huh. like how do you do it? Mm. What do you start with? Like do you make it? Do you make it have sex like you, or do you do research and know. you you program it to be like the greatest sex robot ever?
0: We actually talked about this on an episode of our uh, award-winning Westworld podcast, Adam, and uh, I just want to drop in a clip of that so that people can hear the kind of discussions we get into on that show.
1: Ben, if you don't want to talk about something, you can just say you don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to humiliate me like that. (laughs)
0: Um yeah. So uh somehow avoiding getting the bank Way to get out
1: of that bit, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking asshole. I need an air horn or something to get out of your bits. Uh
0: <laughs> What did you wanna say? What did you wanna say, Adam? I feel bad. No,
1: I'm done. You're done? I'm done.
0: Oh. Yeah. So I'm just going to have to walk around with the guilt of having sidelined our podcast into an extended fart sound effect?
1: No, you're going to have to walk around with something worse, which is the comment section of our, <laughs> in Reddit on this episode going, what's going on with Ben and Adam? It really feels like they're fighting lately.
0: <laughs> uh, somehow Data's next stop on his tour-o tour-o dating advice is Jordy, And this is actually a pretty funny scene, because Jordy is like...
1: Ask somebody else for advice. At least someone who's got more experience at giving advice. Props to Jordy for being honest here. Yeah. I mean, backing up to Guinan's advice...
0: Oh, we're gonna go uh, back to
1: that now? Well,
0: I mean... Am I, out of, ad- am I out of the penalty box, Adam?
1: Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> oh, good. You were spot on when you said that Guinan's advice was the only advice one should need. Yeah. And in terms of order, was the first place that anyone should go. Yes. Her advice is also the best. Yeah. She's like, she's like Jenna seems cool and everything, but she's just getting out of something.
0: And also, you're a robot. It uh, it had major callbacks to the one where uh, Wesley wants to date the gorilla girl. The werebear? Yeah, and the, advice, and the advice stands, you know? Like, the advice of, like, this is going to be your first time, and it's not going to be easy, and no advice will, will help you understand how to get through it. Yeah. And uh, Data does not take that piece of advice very seriously, because I think he asks, like, half a dozen other people <laughs> to weigh in on this situation.
1: He really focus groups the crew.
0: Yeah. I mean... He gets it from Geordi. He gets it from Troy.
1: I think you should be careful.
0: He gets it from Worf. Klingons do not pursue relationships. They conquer that which they desire. He gets it from Riker. When it really works between two people, it's not like anything you've ever experienced. The rewards are far greater than simple friendship. Uh, and he tries to get it from Picard, and Picard is like, and I would be delighted to offer any advice I can on understanding women. When I have some,
1: I'll let you know. The scene that we get with Riker is the scene that you always want with Riker on this topic. He is like leaned back in the conference room chair, yeah, feet up on the desk. Yeah. He in he just relishes giving this kind of advice in a way that it seems impossible he can enjoy anything else as much as this.
0: Yeah. I mean it's it's him telling Telling Wesley how to talk to girls, it's uh yeah, I mean, it's a sign of his character that is insane, but is also real fun to watch, you know,
1: yeah, it is insane, facially
0: like <laughs> he
1: positively glows when he gives this advice. He glows in a way that he rarely does on this show. It's mm-hmm. just super charming, yeah. and his ad- and his advice is also pretty good. Like it's not it's not creepy sexual advice. It's right. pretty it's practical and useful, and like most people who go around getting advice on a major, uh, major life decision, uh, Data ignores most of it and does most, what he sets out to do initially.
0: Yeah, most most of the good advice goes totally unheeded, and yeah. uh, and and then like we are into the part of the episode where we get to see Data doing shit that is totally outside of what Data does and it's like he shows up at Jenna's apartment with a bouquet and like he doesn't know like the order of anything so he like goes and sits on the couch and like puts his arm out for her to be wrapped in like like three beats before she is like warmed up to the idea of cuddling with him but like she kind of like finds it endearing you know and uh, and she likes the flowers like he makes fun of her for having a messy apartment. They really write
1: data ham and cheesy on this. Yeah. Like like data is demonstrating behaviors that he's never seen.
0: Suck me, beautiful.
1: You silver tongued devil. In an entire lifetime spent around humans and human like people. Yeah. Like no one has ever sat on a couch and put their arm out as furniture <laughs> for their companion to sit in. And it made me wonder, like, I understand how funny it is to see this, but I don't think it serves the character the way that it could in a more interesting way. Like, yeah. what if data what if data's courtship is successful at this moment? Like, what if he's really good at this? Is yeah. that more interesting of a story?
0: Because there is something to be said for dating when you don't have, like, the nerves of an of an early relationship. Right. And he wouldn't he's have free. That. Like, he's not going to, like, be worried about fucking this up. I think the things he could fuck up are, like, going too fast or too slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know,
1: in every definition of that,
0: (laughs) um, but he's not going to, you know, put his foot in his mouth or, um, ruin it for some reason that can be chalked up to like being too excited about the relationship and like demonstrating some like poor judgment as a result.
1: It's weird because he knows how to be around people and he just forgets that. Like, <laughs> sort, of, sort of at the core of being in a relationship is the ability to be around someone.
0: Yeah, but I think that, and, like, that's kind of the thing that the episode is saying is, like, he doesn't know how to do— Like, this is a, this is a set of, of hu- human interactions that are totally new to him and he, like, has to start way more from scratch than we do. And yeah. and because it's an unusual scenario, like it it leads to like bad misunderstandings of how to how to do it.
1: Well, my argument is he doesn't have to start from scratch. He is choosing to start from scratch. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean I think I think I think there's ar- good arguments to be made on both sides of that. That's all I'll say about that. Okay. It is a guiding principle of feeding base. have you can't find it within yourself. To stand up, so- so
1: things seem to be going well with them, in spite of his various awkward mistakes, like she finds his mistakes charming, which is the best part of a relationship, that beginning part when <laughs> when you can sort of do no wrong, right?
0: yeah, so
1: the infatuation period
0: yeah, that part is great. We've seen this a couple of times so far in the episode, but like the halfway point in this episode is where uh Picard walks into his ready room and finds like his computer and all his little desk trinkets on the floor under his desk <laughs> and uh he calls Worf in and is like um can you explain why all my shit's on the floor Worf? <laughs> We've literally had the entire lead up of this episode be shit going on and uh no problems happening. Like there's no no rising dramatic tension. Of any kind, it's just data trying to figure out how to do this, which is a pretty like that's a pretty like confident writing move, I think. But uh, eventually, we get to this problem, and it's like there are like panels of the ship that are like disappearing briefly and reappearing, and they start to like worry that it might have something to do with this nebula that they're in.
1: This issue takes many forms, right? Yeah. Uh, at the end of some scenes, you'll see uh, pieces of. Of panel sort of disappear and shimmer, yeah, and then and then reform.
0: I thought these uh, effects were pretty cool.
1: Yeah, there's a scene in engineering where a guy's typing at a station and he just gets sort of blown up and onto the floor.
0: Yeah, did you did you check out that guy's quaff? By the way,
1: yeah, that's a great quaff.
0: He had a solid quaff on him.
1: The stakes get raised here when one crew member gets killed uh, in a corridor. Yeah. So where we wander by them, let's. How does this scene get set up?
0: I think it's Jordy and like a couple of his engineering people, and they're gonna go like check out some section that's gotten damaged, and like they send the lady off to like check one thing, and he and the other guy are gonna go check the other thing.
1: I'll cover the app section. You go down. Ah!
0: And they hear her like scream around the corner, and they run back around, and she is like. She's like waist deep in the floor.
1: It's sort of terrifying. It is because of, because of the way she's propped up, like she's got a she's got a forearm sticking out, yeah. and then she's waist deep in the floor, and she's not even like a little slumped over. She's a little rigid. Yeah. And uh like how do you even begin to clean that, Ben?
0: That's a haunting image. Yeah, and like yeah, I was wondering like when it. So she's occupying the same space as the floor, to some extent, is. Is the like do they have to like take out the entire section of floor because it's like infused with human body you ever have to clean gum off of a off of like a warehouse floor
1: using that little razor blade tool <laughs> I wonder if you have to do that yeah, I yeah. wonder if they ghost bike that hallway too like they like they set up a little a little memorial <laughs> for uh, lieutenant van mater
0: yeah they they uh hit they hit a uh communicator badge with some white spray paint and leave it <laughs> leave it leaned up against the wall
1: that's fucking great that is a way more developed part of the bit than i ever got this. good
0: job speaking of paint data is like painting in his quarters and jenna comes by uh with a bent up piece of uh pyrex
1: i wanted you to have this it's a non-vaginal Chihuly
0: (laughs) (laughs) who knew such a thing even existed Chihuly's rapidly becoming one of the most beloved characters on our show (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and it's like it's a fun scene right like she's she's like you gotta you you gotta like stop what you're doing when your girlfriend comes by and gives you a present and uh he does a little like Patrick Bateman assessment of the piece (laughs) yeah and uh I always enjoy those and then uh, and they like they have a, a cute little interaction here like a cute boyfriend girlfriend interaction and and like that's that's like the first moment you're like wow this could actually kind of this could be a thing like data could just have a girlfriend
1: yeah as long as Jen is willing to be the training wheels here like this is a functional relationship
0: yeah um, but like the next time they interact is in her apartment, and he does, like, the Honey, I'm Home move. And then he's, like, in full Smarm Dog mode where he's, like, doing lines on her and, like, getting her a drink. And it's just, like... It's, like, why did he take this left turn? Like, what the fuck uh, inspired this?
1: Yeah, I would have liked the scene before this one that explained it because he had no reason to raise the stakes. Like, if things were working before... Right. You know what? And in saying that out loud, this is the mistake that everyone makes in a relationship. Sure. Things are working and, and then... you suddenly feel the need to change them. Yeah. So he, he dials it up to eleven with his seduction. <laughs> like it's it's and it's creepy as hell. Yeah. And uh go figure, Jenna does not respond in a way that uh that that is approving of this at all. Yeah. She's sort of
0: creeped out as everyone else is in watching it. And she calls him on it Data,
1: there's just something strange about the way you're acting.
0: And he like pounces on her calling him on something as like a great opportunity to have a fight. Perhaps there is
1: something wrong with you.
0: Which he has calculated as an important part of any relationship.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was steaming for a fight, and he got one. He, yeah. And his and his turn his emotional turn here that we know isn't emotional, is is shocking,
0: yeah,
1: and uh, and scary, yeah. This this is the data that you know is possible. This is the data that you imagine rips people limb from limb when he's <laughs> angry, yeah. When yeah. Brent Spiner does this, <laughs> I feel like there are there are rules set up for how he acts. Right? There's the data rule, yeah, and there's the lore rule, and then there's whatever this rule is. For his interaction with Jenna, yeah, I feel like he goes full Nick Cage with Jenna in this scene. He is hysterical. Yeah, he's like Nick Cage and Face Off unhinged.
0: Yeah, which uh, I mean, like, I think I think it all comes back to like him, like like the way the way his character strategizes the idea of a new type of social interaction, you know,
1: why doesn't he feel the need to put on these different masks in other points in his life? Like during a, uh, during a life threatening scene, why don't you see him put on the, the lover's coral mask and, (laughs) and
0: get into it? (laughs) His character has changed more than maybe any other from the first episode to now. Yeah. Um, he's not he's not like you know reading extremely long digit numbers of you know the probability of whatever is going to happen uh he doesn't like not know basic grammar or words like he's not going like like what is a joke jordy you know mm. like he's i feel like he's got the basics now and and so like the kinds of situations that he is accustomed to like he He doesn't fuck up as much,
1: yeah, 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 he's got more reps mm-hmm,
0: yeah, which makes it a little scary, right, like the idea of like like how many parts of relationships is he gonna try, you know, yeah, like it's it 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 shows how tone deaf he is, and uh I don't know, it's interesting um and and it's like it's it's also weird because like they're starting to realize like what bad shape the ship is in as this is going on so like it's crazy that they're like taking the time out of their day to like play act a love lover's quarrel while there's like an existential threat to the space pod that they live in
1: my, my, my love is a Long in jail for that which longer nurse
0: has They realize that the nebula is behind the whole holes appearing in the ship situation. And they're in fairly large amount of danger of the ship, like, explosively decompressing when one of these passes through the hull.
1: The episode turns into a little bit of a submarine movie at this point, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? Like, the comparison to me is, like, the nebula is full of depth charges, and they've got to get out of this part of the ocean without... Getting hit by one of them.
0: Yeah, it's the uh, it's that like it's that underground uh, canyon that they that they have to go through super quickly and um, yeah in red October. Yeah, and uh, the only way to do this is to have a shuttle pod way out a- ahead of the Enterprise using its sensors to like give the Enterprise enough advanced warning about when one of these subspace bubbles is going to be coming up. And so Picard, like, totally kneecaps Riker, trying to be the hero. I'll do my pre-flight once I'm on board. And he's like, "Not this time, Will. I want you on the bridge." It's a, it's a lot like the uh, scene where he had to pilot them out of the booby trap, where uh, it's like Picard's skill as a as a pilot is is going to be the difference between them surviving and not surviving. Do <laughs> you
1: think it's a decision made out of? vanity or or because picard truly feels like he's the best pilot for the job
0: well isn't that vanity (laughs) like he doesn't well i mean
1: it's it's one thing if it's factually true and it's another thing if it's just someone's belief
0: yeah i don't know do we know that it's factually true it seems to work every time
1: he was the best pilot do you think that there's a moment where he steps in and goes like you're gonna get us all killed old man (laughs) (laughs) like i'm the one that needs to be out there in the shuttle
0: the the uh, I think Riker would would be a little bit more assertive if if this plan involved separating the saucer section, but right. piloting he's willing to leave to to Jean Luc.
1: That's fair. It says a lot about their confidence in the mission too. When they sent Picard out in the flat pack bunk bed instead of a previa, yeah, they've lost enough previas this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, the previas are starting to feel a little bit more precious. Um, yeah. I don't know, I think thematically it has an interesting resonance with the, with Data's relationship. Like, it is the equivalent of realizing that you have, like, walked halfway across a minefield before you realized what it was, you know? And, like, walking, like, walking back along your path is not necessarily a safe way of getting yourself out. Mm. Um, like, that is sort of... The feeling of getting into a relationship that you don't know how to make work, also, so uh, they managed. That
1: was poetic, Ben.
0: Hey, that's why I get the big bucks. See if see if Mission Log can make a simile like that.
1: Uh, (laughs) I'd have to listen to
0: know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they uh, they managed to uh, you know Picard Picard uh, true to his word is very heroic and gets uh gets them most of the way out of the out of harm's way before his shuttle pod blows up and he's killed and lost forever. And uh you know cuz O'Brien's not able to beam him out of the explosion. Hmm. And uh and that's our episode.
1: Sad. <laughs> the uh the Borgs couldn't kill him, but the depth charge did. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, they get, it, they get him out of the explosion, as they always do. And we have a last scene between Data and Jenna where um, they kind of have a breakup. And it's a pretty affecting scene, I thought. Data really is unwittingly ice cold to her. Like, if I like had to break up with somebody and... And expressed myself in the way that he expresses himself to her, it would be like the cruelest shit that you could possibly imagine, but she has to just kind of like like take it as oh this is data like this is the guy that I was dating like this is how he is
1: he's as cold as he was when he murdered that guy who kidnapped him and put him in his collection and and we were and we were left unsure about if data intended to murder him or not, yeah. He is ice cold. He's
0: ice fucking cold. I literally wrote ice cold breakup in my notes. Do you think
1: this is a relief to Jenna also? Because when you go and break up with someone, you're expecting the blowback and the ugly and like the pain that comes with hurting someone that you were close with for a long time. Yeah. She doesn't get that realized in a way that reads on her as a little bit satisfying like she seems at the same time hurt and relieved that that doesn't happen yeah like oh is that all i was just a subroutine you could delete like <laughs> like that's sort of shitty and cold but also she doesn't get the the bad feelings of actually hurting someone who's capable of being hurt
0: yeah yeah she uh she's going to have to like deal with this solo which is a very unique circumstance Ben would you trade that
1: would you trade the the sadness of having hurt someone for the idea that they were able to just like delete you from their memory
0: it's sort of like the uh, Adam I get the sense that everybody I've ever broken up with did delete me from their memory so (laughs) fair point been dating a lot of androids (laughs) Well, I can see why. That's not true. It's just that they were able to delete me. (laughs) Yeah. Which was the right move on their part. Did you like this episode, Ben? I did. Uh, I think that there's, like, like a lot of these, it's not without its obvious problems, but I think it is one of the most interesting episodes about data in the whole series. And... I think that, um, you know, Jenna's a really interesting character, and I, like, wish that we got her back or, uh, for another one, you know? Like, I think she's interesting yeah. enough to be, like, a row where she comes comes up every, like, three or four episodes. Yeah. I also would have liked to see it going in. You never see that.
1: You, you're you talking, of course, about Data's penis.
0: The torpedo yeah. going into the bay. <laughs> Is it the same color as the rest of him? Do you think Data has foreskin? <laughs> How about you, Adam? Did you like this episode?
1: Well, I did, but my criticism... That was
0: literally a dick into a fart joke.
1: Yeah. That's that's world class. <laughs> Much in the same way that you're bemoaning the lack of detail in certain ways, in certain scenes that you were hoping to get here, yeah. I feel like this episode walks right up to the line of being really interesting and profound, and then takes two big steps back to just simplify the story for the sake of, you know, a 47-minute network television episode. Yeah. And... The one thing after it was over that I thought about, besides how much I wanted to see that dick, (laughs) was, would it have been more interesting if Jenna were unattractive?
0: Hmm. Yeah, because she's kind of a babe.
1: Then you start getting the shallow Hal idea with Data, and I wonder if that doesn't make the story... A little more interesting hmm. in how data expresses attraction yeah like there it seems like just a little superficial for me in a data story
0: it's kind of superficial that's an interesting point i mean and and on the idea of attraction that's really never addressed with data yeah like we talk yeah. about what she's attracted to but it's like kind of just peanut buttered over the idea of data like whether he is attracted to anyone or anything
1: yeah and if we had a little bit of that I think it would have shaded in this story a lot better in a way that would be more satisfying yeah it because I feel a little bit the way Jenna feels at the end of the episode like the the episodes over the subroutines deleted like do we ever really learn something greater about data's character I'm not sure that we do yeah. For all of the experience we had in the episode, I don't think we do. Yeah. And so we leave Data alone in his apartment, petting his cat in the dark. <laughs> and I'm sad seeing that scene.
0: Yeah, it's a sad scene, think, Adam.
1: And I think this is a couple episodes in a row that button up on a down note. In a way that, like, I'm satisfied with a dark button. Mm-hmm. Like, I like these buttons, but this seems to be a running theme now. In that, you know, this perfect future uh, is still unsatisfying for a lot of people.
0: You know what isn't unsatisfying, Adam, is getting Priority One messages. You want to uh, check in with our inbox and see if there's anything in there? Let's do it.
1: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
0: Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship.
1: Ben, we have a commercial message for this episode—a yeah. uh, relative rarity for us. Yeah, and, and uh, it goes like this: Here's our here's our first commercial message, Ben. It's from LifeOnTheSwingSet.com, and the message goes like this: Did you watch up the long ladder and think, "Wow, space polyamory—that's <laughs> the lifestyle for me." If so, crack open some podcast juice, bone up on your space Irish accent, and put a horgon on your glass table (laughs) to check out Life on the Swing Set, a podcast about swinging, polyamory, and alternative lifestyles. Wow. From Riker's enthusiastic consent to entering space buttholes on purpose, (laughs) Swing Set panels chat from experience and without filters about relationships and sex from inside and outside the closet. Hey, that sounds like a good listen.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, of podcasts that let me uh, be a fly on the wall for other people's sex
1: lives. <laughs> yeah, I agree. This seems like the sort of show that uh, you don't have to be into the lifestyle to enjoy a show about the lifestyle.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they could answer that thing I said about maybe it was started by fighter jocks from World War II. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they know. Maybe uh,
1: there's an episode about swinging history where we could learn about those things.
0: Yeah, going to have to check it out. So visit lifeontheswingset.com or search for Life on the Swingset in the iTunes store and subscribe or download their Android app at swingsets.fm. Wow, they are they are running this game right. They got an app.
1: Yeah, these, uh, these broadcasters have been... Uh, fans and friends of ours since we started. They, uh, they're they among our our regular Twitter troupe that we discuss the show with. They're Definitely. good people.
0: Yeah, good folks. Uh, support the show. Adam, we have another message. This one is of a personal nature, and it's <laughs> from Chadich and Amanda, and it's to Jeremy Rico Bear. Uh, it says, Merry Xmas, Rico, or <laughs> whatever... Or whenever this makes it onto the pod. (laughs) Uh, We hope 2017 is full of rockin' nuck, colorful metaphors, and that your real doll finally arrives. Uxbridge's work is top-notch. Looking forward to our next available Shimoda and and T-Hunt get-together. Thanks for introducing to this entertaining show. Please insert whale noises from Star Trek. And then it like, there's like another letter, and then it just ends. I'm, I'm thinking maybe they got to the end of their allotment there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm super jealous of, of, uh, of Rico, Rico, for having a Chadich and yeah. an Amanda. I don't have either of those things.
1: Yeah, I think everyone could use a little Chadich in their lives. Yeah. Gotta get a Chadich. Thanks to Chadich and Amanda. Thanks for Life on the Swing Set. Uh, they have demonstrated both ways that you can support the show through the purchase of a Jumbotron message. Uh, personal messages like the ones from Chad Each and Amanda are $100. And the one like the Life on the Swing Set ad is for $200, and they help us produce our show. So thanks very much, guys.
0: Yeah, just go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron if you want to get involved with the party. You could call the Jumbotron
1: messages a lifestyle, couldn't you, Ben?
0: Mm. It's a lifestyle choice that many people are making enthusiastically these days. (laughs) Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam?
1: Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk
0: Drunk Shimoda! Shimoda. I did. uh, My Shimoda for this episode is Miles and Keiko. (laughs) Because... The uh, the concert ends right, and Miles comes up and he like like Data is sitting in the center of frame, and Miles and Keiko like kiss in front of him, and it's like oh my god, like this is the first time we've seen Miles and Keiko not fighting. And then <laughs> smash cut to the double date where she's like she's like throwing him under the bus about the fact that he yeah treats their their apartment like a pigsty. <laughs> it's like oh no. Back to old tricks. They, I, I like was writing down the note of, oh, this is the first non-fight scene between Miles and Keiko, and then I like had to scratch it out, and I was like, never mind, they are fighting in this scene.
1: We've had an entire season of Miles and Keiko so far, and we don't have a single example of why they're together.
0: <laughs> we have a long list of grievances that have been aired, but no, <laughs> not a single note of what their attraction to each other is all about.
1: I feel like a great moment in that scene would have been Data being unable to read the room and just telling Miles and Keiko that they should break up.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> just in a really mathy kind of way. Mm-hmm. like
0: Sacrifices have to be made. It is regrettable, but the greater good must be served. I have come up with a piece of advice designed to maximize your happiness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, my Shimoda is going to go to Riker for doing a thing I recently experienced in an airport. He is a loud phone talker. Because at the very end, he's he's not on FaceTime. He's just on standard audio hailing frequencies with Picard in the shuttle. (laughs) He is talking at top volume on the bridge to Picard.
0: Acknowledge, Captain. We're right behind you. And it is just really loud. My mother-in-law is a small business owner and takes a lot of uh, business phone calls in the car while she's driving around LA and occasionally we'll be like all going out to like a big family dinner or something. And she'll just Uh be rolling calls the entire time. And she's the same, like, like she's like comes from a time when you had to speak up to get the sound of your voice into the phone. And it's (laughs) like, it's not necessary anymore, but it's like a permanent instinct. (laughs) And, uh, I feel like, uh, I feel like that's where Riker is at. It's like he comes, he comes from an earlier time when communicators didn't have as good of microphones in them.
1: Yeah, no kidding. I was in the, uh, the beautiful Spokane International Airport last week hmm. waiting for my flight, and one of the great things about the Spokane Airport is that it's empty most of the time. <laughs> and this fucking guy was on speaker with his girlfriend <laughs> at top volume, like clicked all the way up. Top volume. And the conversation they're having is the worst. The uh, the way I look at it, we became like uh, two loaves of bread uh, baking in different ovens. It's almost like he's doing it for an audience. He's like, tell me what you like about me. Like they're very clearly early on in the relationship and they're doing like phone
0: smoochies. Yeah, so they're at the like 20 minute mark of this episode.
1: It was awful. I was sitting a couple rows away from the guy and I actually did the audible jesus christ as i got up and moved like two gates down (laughs) but he was so oblivious
0: like i'm sure he didn't hear it oh yeah that guy's in his own world adam there's no getting that guy to shut the fuck up without just directly asking him to
1: that is also like an example of total seattle passive aggression like or just under my breath i'll say that and move versus Mm -hmm. do do what a a strong new yorker would do which is like tell the guy to shut the fuck up and turn (laughs) off his speakerphone
0: yeah Take a hike, fuckface. That's what you should hey, say. Hey, I'm trying to rest here. <laughs> hey, I'm sharing fo- photos of Pizza Rat on my social media. What do you want? <laughs> you know,
1: for being a New Yorker, your New Yorker accent fucking sucks, man.
0: <laughs> I grew up in California, Adam. I, uh, I, only, ad- I, I only adapted the darkness.
1: What's the matter with Ben and Adam? They seem to be fighting a lot. (laughs) A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES.
0: One of the amazing things about making the greatest generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time and... They send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work, it's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful, no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till max fun drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org What do we have coming up on the next episode, fan? Next episode is Season 4 Episode 26 Redemption, part one. As civil war threatens the Klingon Empire, Worf's loyalties are torn between the Federation and his people. Do you remember this episode, Adam?
1: Uh, This is our season finale, is it not?
0: It is our season finale. It's the big uh, cliffhanger episode to get us into season five.
1: I think I've made this comment before, but this Klingon homeworld storyline all blurs together for me. Like, it is one big, long episode. Yeah. And so I don't know what parts are in what episode. I do remember the story, but I don't remember what is specific to this part one of two.
0: Yeah. I was trying to remember if this is the one where, like, Data gets put in command of a ship of people that don't know him, and they're all super suspicious of his ability to command a ship because he's a robot.
1: Oh yeah, and that one dickhead guy doesn't yeah. want to follow his orders. Yeah, I like those scenes. I don't know. I hope this is that, or is this part two?
0: I, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. No, um, I don't know either. How how fucking fragile is the Klingon Empire with there being a civil war threat basically twice a season?
1: <laughs> well, Ben, I'll never throw stones at another society for their perceived political instability.
0: Never uh, again. After this year, yeah. So,
1: <laughs> so I'll just hope for the best.
0: Yeah, let's see if we can uh, get through four years of House Duras. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you know what? Uh, what is a soothing feeling for for people who are hoping to just get through the next year or so? It's the constant support from our viewers, Ben.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. It warms they my They lift heart. us
1: up when we're down.
0: Yeah, they sure do. Um, the uh, the way you can support our show on a recurring basis is by going to maximumfund.org/donate. Uh, and the other ways are by buying t-shirts from the store uh, or by leaving a nice review in iTunes. Um, our contest is probably over by now. I want to say, is this a January episode that we're recording right now? It is. So assuming that our contest is successful in getting us over the thousand review mark on iTunes, uh, I guess we'll try and announce winners uh, coming up real soon.
1: Yeah, you know us. We'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah. Uh,
0: Thanks to Adam Ragusia for uh, lots of the original music that you hear on the show and Dark Materia for the theme song. Uh, follow Adam on Twitter at CutForTime and me at Benjamin R. Use the hashtag GreatestGen to connect with all of our viewers. And you can also connect with them on our subreddit, GreatestGen.reddit.com, and our Facebook group, uh, which is a real lively community. Uh, lots of fun stuff being discussed over there.
1: Make sure you're using that hashtag GreatestGen and not Greatest Generation, because, ooh, oh boy, yeah. someone made that mistake last week. And... <laughs> that that did not go to us.
0: <laughs> uh, well, with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and hopefully a redemptive episode of The Greatest Generation. <laughs>
1: Good pod. Good pod. Maximumfun.org.
0: Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
1: Listener supported.